BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is the car cast after USC's exhilarating, dramatic, unbelievable, incomprehensible, mind-boggling, excruciating, uh, got any other words we can we can throw in here? Heart pounding. <laughs> uh, whatever. Win over the Oregon yeah. State Beavers. That's the important word. In Corvallis, seventeen fourteen. Yeah, seventeen fourteen. The final score of all four quarters, not just the first quarter, all four quarters, seventeen to fourteen. USC gets the win. They don't cover, but I don't think anyone cares right now. SC. Now 4-0 and oh in the Lincoln-Riley era. We're going to talk about the game, give you our live reaction here on YouTube. Everyone hopping in the chat. It's going to be a crazy hour or so talking about USC uh, and Oregon State. I'm your host, Mike Rostillo. Join along, as always, with my co-host here in the Renatory Studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Daratol. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Hi. You want to take a deep breath? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone together with us. What I, I I told you right before we came on. This feels like SC robbed a bank. I I I yes yes because I still don't think I quite have grasped that USC I, won a game purely one hundred percent because of their defense. Yes, so like in some way it just feels 
unimaginable that this. There were about I, I off the top of my head. I think there's five key things that somehow went SC's way. And probably none of these should have gone SC's way, but they all did here. Uh, um, hear me out. Travis die fumbling on his own goal line, the ball going up into the air and it goes right back to him. Yeah. Uh, the interception possibility of the ball ricocheting off Travis die's hands and not intercepted, which would have been a surefire pick six. Yes. Didn't happen. Um, Oregon State missing a key field goal that would have tied the game. Yes. Didn't happen. Um, Caleb Williams getting stuffed on fourth and short on the last drive. Stuffed. He's, he stopped short and gets pushed forward by Brett Nealon. A la Reggie Bush against Notre Dame in 2005. Same exact thing. It's the Brett Nealon push. I, I saw how that went SC's way. I retweeted somebody who called it the Nealon nudge, and I'm running with it. I the, yes, I like that better than the Nealon push. Yes, yes. You gotta have like, that alliteration. That's that's a miracle. Goes SC's way, and then all of the stuff on defense, um, getting the picks when they needed it most, four huge turnovers. None four. of these things. Probably should have gone SC's way, but they did because USC somehow pulled this one out of their tail. Um, the Alex Grinch defense absolutely came to play last week we were talking, and there was a lot of criticism for Alex Grinch's defense. Uh, people are already saying that maybe he's not the guy. Well, SC wins because of, uh, of the defense this week, and then there was the offense. Uh, Caleb Williams, we talk about how efficient he is, how this offense is built on throwing to open receivers and finding space to receivers, how he's going to be the most efficient quarterback USC's ever had in the in the history of the program, and through three <laughs> games he had been sixteen of thirty six tonight, and he looked all out of sorts. Um, but it didn't matter. SC on the final drive uh, links up to Jordan Addison who has uh, three catches. It felt like one because the one is the one that you'll remember forever. Uh, the touchdown play on the final drive to give USC a 17-14 lead, which they ultimately hold on. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, 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 I got nothing. What do you got? I want to talk about Caleb Williams. I think we can save that for later. Yeah, lots of stuff I think to talk about with, with him for sure. The story of this game is USC's defense clawing out a victory mm -hmm. after three weeks where they had looked shaky. They had given up, as you had pointed out, all of the available yards that were on the table for teams. And in the first game, they forced four turnovers and everyone's like, well, those are going to dry up. And then in the second game, they forced four turnovers and we're like, well, those are going to dry up. And then in the third game, they forced two turnovers. And it's like, well, you're not going to have multiple turnovers every game. And now four games in, they force four, four turnovers again. And you have to start giving this defense credit. In yeah. the preview, we talked about how the thing you had to like about this defense was, yes, they were very shaky against Rice, but they got better against Stanford. And then they got better against Fresno State. And they've gotten better against Oregon State, arguably the best offense that they've faced so far uh, this this season. They 
absolutely put themselves on it. They took responsibility for this game. There was a lot of stuff that was very, very frustrating about the offense that we will get into. But the story of the night is Eric Gentry making plays, Solomon Bird making plays, Tuli mm-hmm. Tupelotu making plays, Makai Blackman making plays, just everybody. And, and they weren't perfect for sure, but no defense is perfect. But when they needed the plays, they forced the turnovers. And this is what mm-hmm. we've been saying is that you can, wasn't just the fir- turnovers. They they got key. They got key. They, well, they that first drive, the, the stop they got on the first drive was huge. The stops they got to bookend the half was huge. Uh, forcing a, a field goal that was then missed was huge. It just the the whole game was about how much the defense wanted it. And you know, I put on Twitter that if you had told me that USC would would <laughs> keep Oregon State to just seven points through three quarters, I would have had you committed. And if you had told me that USC had kept Oregon State to just 14 points in this game, I would have said, man, that's another really, really strong outing for the defense. And I wouldn't have even known how strong it was because they were put in terrible situations by the offense. This wasn't just a, the defense got stops. The defense got put in bad position with the, with the bad punt. Um, they had the pressure on them all night because it was very clear that USC wasn't going to be able to score. And that last drive, special teams, a penalty, a dumb penalty, gives Oregon State a boost to start that drive. And they just responded in the most perfect way. Full, 100% max credit to every single person on that defense. They deserve all the game balls that are coming their way. Um for a unit that had been maligned for the first three weeks, they deserve 100% of the credit here. Yeah. It's, I thought it was great that, you know, you want, you want a a back and forth, right? You want your defense to be the star one game and your offense to be the star of the other game. And the defense through three weeks had been the easy one to pick on. Uh, And now they're the ones who can kind of, they got to feel good that they did their job to pull up the, the offense who, who clearly struggled in this game. And we're going to talk about how terrible the offense was, but that's what you want to see because this so easily could have gone the other way. Yeah. And we talked about it after the Stanford game, right? Like in the, in the Stanford game, SC's defense was getting gassed uh, and gashed and all those things, right? Like just completely Stanford was moving up and down the field, left and right. But SC was, was getting the, the turnovers when they needed to, but even then still giving up so many yards. And if it wasn't for the offense doing their job in the first half, scoring and finishing off all their drives, SC loses that game. Well, here we are talking about game four in Corvallis. It's the same exact way. The offense is the one that's struggling. And if it wasn't for the, de- for the defense going above and beyond, getting four turnovers, SC loses this game. And they came through in both of those games. Uh, there, there was a comment in the uh, in the chat here. Um, this chat's going by so quick, I'm, I'm going to miss who said it. Um, someone said, make sure you win your clunkers. That's what it is. Yeah. This was a clunker, and you have to win your you have to win your clunkers. I can't even speak right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what SC did. This is not a feel-good win um, in the sense that it, SC was infallible. This wasn't the, the 52 to 17 perfect storm game that you wish uh, would have gone down the night. 
But in a lot of ways, I think we learned so much about this team. We learned that the offense still has a long way to go. We know that the defense still has a long way to go, but we know that the defense can, when challenged, can come up to the plate and hold their own. And I think that when you have an offense with the potential that SC does, um, surely they're going to have to show it um, after a game like tonight. That has to make you feel better about th- going things. I mean, going forward, when when you go to hostile environments like Utah, um, and really just Utah looking at SC's schedule going down the line. Um, but boy, the offense. I, I don't know. That uh, I mean, I would say that that should be the blueprint for like the worst offensive performance USC will have this year. But now you do have to create, you do have some worry because USC will be playing better defenses this year. Yes. And they will use this as the the blueprint themselves to try and and um, find a way to shut down USC's offense. Well, but well, at the same time, when what Oregon State did very well was to make it difficult for USC. Yes. But Caleb Williams on his day still is able to to put up some points. Mm-hmm. The problem in this game is that Caleb couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from start to finish. Yeah. Like I can count on one hand the number of good passes that he threw tonight. E- even the touchdown pass, even I thought touch- it was going to be picked. I thought it was about to be picked. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's the sort of thing where yes, you can look at this offensive performance and say, well, USC got figured out. Other teams are going to use this to, as as a way to figure it out, but at the same time, like, how many games like this do we expect Caleb Williams to have? And I do want to highlight Caleb Williams's performance here because it was god awful from a passing perspective. It was it was horrendous. There's no way to sugarcoat it. I think he would probably tell you himself that it was just straight up bad. Yeah, uh, he completed 44 percent of his passes. It's not good enough. It was just no. terrible. And and there are people in the chat who. Uh, like Trevor is asking, was Caleb bad or did Oregon State just play good defense? I thought they played excellent it's defense. It's a mixture of both. I thought that they 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 made things very difficult for USC because they covered well and they got to the quarterback. Absolutely, Oregon State played good defense. But even then, Caleb had throws that we've seen him make that he just absolutely missed. Yeah. He was shorting the ball. He was throwing it behind receivers. He was not giving them a chance. He wasn't setting them up. Uh, to run onto the ball and and have momentum to to gain yards after catch, all of that kind of stuff. We have seen Caleb Williams under duress throw the ball better than he did tonight. So it's it's a it's a push and pull there about who gets credit for the way that Caleb Williams played tonight. But we know he can be better than this. The big thing that if I'm gonna you know pull a pull a silver lining out of this is we've seen other quarterbacks at USC have bad games have games where they just looked like they had nothing in the tank. Yeah. The difference between having those quarterbacks and a Caleb Williams is that fourth down run. Yes. The way he scrambled, he was only sacked. How many times was he sacked in the end? He was sacked twice. He should have been sacked eight or 10 times. It it should literally could have been sacked eight or 10 times. And he got out of so many sacks. And, and those were the plays where I expect Caleb on his day to get out of that sack and then complete the pass. What he wasn't doing today was he was getting out of the sack, but then he wasn't completing the pass. But even then that running ability can save a game and make it a disastrous, horrendous performance. 
and take it to a, you can still win the game. You still have a possibility to win this game. Imagine if Caleb Williams couldn't run in this game. And also imagine if Caleb Williams turned the ball over in this game. USC has made through four games without turning the ball over. So if this is the worst performance that USC is going to get from Caleb Williams, you take it because it was bad, straight up bad. And yet it wasn't so bad that it doomed USC. The difference, Chance, I thought Chance Nolan threw the ball better than Caleb Williams. But the yeah. reason Nolan loses this game and Caleb Williams wins it, wins it is the four picks. So you, I think you take this as a learning experience. I hope that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams both get back into the lab and figure out how they can avoid this situation happening when they head back up to Utah. But it, they really do. Like I want this to be a wake-up call. The defense has had its wake-up calls, and they've responded. Mm-hmm. The offense needs to have this wake-up call and to absolutely respond uh, down the line. A hundred percent. And it and if it is a wake up call, and if then maybe that could be absolutely a silver lining going forward. That maybe you get to a point where you're like, you know, we couldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for the disaster in Corvallis on offense. Better to have the stinker against Oregon State than to have the stinker, the first stinker against and, Washington State or Utah. Yeah, and, and have and have that stinker a, a, in a game in which you pull out the win at the end, right? Um, having said that, you, you talked about. Was it the defense forcing this? We got a question from Alex in the chat that said, did did uh, Oregon State copy Iowa State's defense? I don't know enough to say for sure about that part, but I think that I think there's a couple things. I think Fresno State, for, for the first part, probably put a bunch of stuff on tape about how to take away the deep passing game from SC. And the difference was USC converted those third downs and yes, fourth downs. and SC tonight. was able to play clean. We talked about it last week with Caleb Williams that, like, it was impressive how the offense wasn't firing at in fifth, you know, they, they weren't in top gear, right? Yeah. But they were still were able to complete all their drives and score 45 points last week because they took advantage of everything else and they got everything else to work, even though the deep passing game wasn't there and he wasn't able to throw a billion yards last week. Well, this week, the same thing happened. My frustration about this game is that there were it was more than just Oregon State putting SC in a bad spot. The offensive line, horrific. This was the, one of the worst offensive line performances I've seen out of a USC offensive line in a long, long time. And I think that that's exacerbated by uh, some really questionable play calling. Like yes. let's let's not let's not sugarcoat it, right? Like. I, I really question a lot of the stuff we saw tonight from from Lincoln Riley, um, particularly in the goal line situations where they're backed up. Uh, the the confidence in I, I want a coach who's confident in his players, and I love that. And if you're a player, you got to love that that they're going to believe in you even when you're struggling and all that. Those are good. Those are good qualities to have. But when your offensive line is getting absolutely mauled. Why are you putting them in a position for Caleb Williams to drop back into the end zone and you're begging your offensive lineman to take a holding penalty, which will be a technical safety, yes. right? Which would have been terrible if that, if that would have happened in either one of those situations. Dropping back in the end zone with a with a mesh point, sort of with a with a elongated yeah. mesh point with the like it, just everything about those goal line plays were just like what are you it, doing? It, it was it was horrific to watch, to be honest. Like, and even that, outside of that goal line, it was it was at a certain point you have to accept. And this is my complaint about every offensive coordinator that I've ever seen. So maybe it's just a thing. 
the moment you accept that your offensive line is bad is the moment you can start to mitigate that issue. Yes. The law, like, and there was an acceptance here. Like there was committing to, to the bit. And it's like, I get that Caleb Williams is very good in moving the pocket and somehow only getting sacked twice tonight. But when you know that he's he has an off night, don't put all the eggs in his basket, run the football. Like Travis die had an incredible game tonight, 19 carries 133 yards and a touchdown. Uh, average six yards a pop. Uh, did have that fumble, but it it happens, right? Like he he carried SC tonight on offense, and yet he could have had so much more. He probably he should have had ten more carries, uh, especially on a night where I thought um, Austin Jones looked out of sorts too. Every time I thought he was yeah. running into blockers, where Travis Dye kept finding open holes. Yeah, and it, it's like one of those situations where I. I so you look at all those struggles and it's like Essie wasn't doing their part to get themselves out of those struggles. Yes. And that's what was frustrating. Cause even that, that drive um, in the second quarter to get the three points and finally get on the board. How difficult was that? Like that was like the hardest drive you've mm-hmm. ever seen to, to get there. And yet that's how every drive had to be that last final drive, you know, that, doesn't happen if Brett Nealon doesn't push Caleb Williams across on that, that fourth down, right? Like everything had to somehow, um, SC had to pull it out at the very end in literally every aspect of the game. Yeah. Well, and that's, and, and I think again, it was over dependent on over dependence on Caleb Williams and he's a great talent. I don't mind putting the offense on his back, but you also need to understand where he's at in a night and take some of the pressure off of him. And maybe that's how you get him back into his rhythm. That to, to just sort of not have everything be flowing off of him. And that's how, why you ended up with a situation where the fourth down had to happen. Yeah. There was a, there was a third down conversion to Jordan Addison where the safety came untouched off the, off the uh, edge and Caleb just tosses it up and Jordan Addison makes the catch. Great, great play. But it's also, it's also just like a desperation play. Too many desperation plays were what USC relied on in this game. And I think you and I all agree that if you had trusted Travis Dye earlier in this game, you wouldn't have had to have those desperation plays or it would have been set up a third and two instead of a third and 12 because you've been throwing off your back foot and having Caleb run for his life the whole night. So that I think is very frustrating. It's also difficult because the offensive line did perform so poorly I thought the running backs didn't block well at all. I thought the uh, the tight ends had a rough night as well in terms of blocking. I thought that Oregon State did a really good job of sending delayed blitzes. They weren't like there were times when they were with, when they were like sending five or six, and those were definitely difficult plays to deal with. But more often than not, they just sort of had their three man front, and then they were sending a fourth, slightly delayed to try and get around the offensive line, and that was working. Um, I would have liked to see USC adjust to that earlier. I would have liked to see USC sort of come to grips with where they weren't finding their success and accepting that, trying something else, i.e. run the ball with die until you go back to it later. Um, That's, again, hopefully a learning experience because the beauty of this offense is that you don't have to just rely on Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison to be incredible. You had Travis Dye sitting there all night. 
and you didn't take advantage of him. And it's why this game was as, as nervy and close as it was. As far, I, I truly believe that if USC had just run the ball, committed to running the ball earlier in this game, you gained some confidence in your offensive line. Yeah. You gained some confidence in your offense. I think you score two touchdowns in the first half easily. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We got a comment that said uh, from Mateo, felt like a Helton-esque win for sure. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, because I don't, th- I don't think a Helton team wins this game uh, because I don't think the defense end up coming through that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the offense. I, I, I get the sense of like you look at twenty twenty games in which they completely pulled out of their ass. The ASU game uh, in, in week one, the UCLA game later on in the season, right? Like where they just pulled it out at the end. But those were different. Those were much different situations. This game tonight, I, th- I think, was. A, a wake up call. And in a lot of ways, you know, I, I got a lot of criticism for saying the SC could lose to Stanford in week two, right? This tonight's performance would have made a lot of more sense in week two. Yeah. Because I think the jarring part of this performance for, for USC fans is how un, unexpected the offensive performance was tonight. So many of the tweets I saw on, on Twitter were like, this is not what I expected at all. And I agree. I think we talked about it before that if Oregon state was going to win this game, it was going to be in a shootout. Mm-hmm. And yet Oregon state almost won it, won it in a, in a grinded out game 
uh, they almost won it 14 to 10, right? Like that would have been something nobody would have predicted, but it was because we saw something that we completely hadn't seen the first three weeks, which is USC's offense be just completely inept. This would have made much more sense in week two, but you saw SC go to Stanford and the offense was incredible the first half of that game. You saw last week against Fresno State, SC's offense was incredible throughout the game, uh, even though it was a much different type of uh, grinded out offense that wasn't explosive, right? Like you've seen the successes of the offense to the point that you sit here and you go, well, they don't need more time to gel on offense. The offense, even in year one, is already at their their top level under Lincoln Riley. Like this is what they should be. And tonight's a reality check that no, it is still year one. Uh, this is Caleb Williams who doesn't have a complete year under his belt as a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, this is a new system for a lot of guys. This is an offensive line who is a veteran unit, but at the same time, um, Bobby Haskins wasn't, you know, is, is a, is a transfer. He, he doesn't have the chemistry as everyone else does on the offensive line. This is an offensive line who is much maligned for years. Like all these things, it's a reality check to all of that. And what you want to see moving forward is that this reminds uh, the, the coaching staff that these are all things that have to be addressed. And you'd rather address it in a win than, um, yeah. than, than otherwise. Yeah, these were the growing pains that I expected in the first three weeks. And it right. was a little bit surprising we didn't really see them. Maybe we just saw a little bit of it in the second half against Stanford. But um, this is why you and I cautioned all offseason that USC wasn't going to just roll through this season on the on the way to the playoff. They were going to have to deal with things not going their way, and we needed right. to see how they respond to things not going their way. And, you know, like we, we talked about Caleb Williams, I think this is a low point for Caleb Williams in terms of passing, uh, passing um, output. So, you know, you survived the bad Caleb Williams game. You, you might still end up with difficult Caleb Williams games. He's a young dude. Like, he's, he's a sophomore. He's not the finished article. He still has time that he needs to, um, to develop. And this is what happens when you don't have a veteran quarterback. Like, that makes a, a huge difference. You look at the best Lincoln Riley offenses that he's put on the field. He's always had a senior quarterback. And... Those guys don't make the same kind of mistakes that someone like Caleb Williams, young guy still working through his stuff. You're just going to have to live through them. Yeah. Um, the, the the whole Oregon State thing did come to pass, and there was a lot of talk about how that was trauma and like it's just you know that was in the past. Stop talking about Corvallis, but like again. Hey, we we never have to talk about Corvallis ever we again. We never have to talk about Corvallis SC is again. Never playing there ever again in the history of man. Yes, so don't worry thank, about it. Thank God. But like Corvallis, <laughs> even with we were getting text messages from people on the field who were talking about how like the atmosphere was like was hostile as all hell. Yeah, and it wasn't. Um, it was only twenty five thousand people there. But like that doesn't. Certain stadiums are built to have that aura. There's a reason that in, you know, in soccer, you don't need to build a 40 or 50 or 100,000 seater stadium. I mean, this this day is barely even built, you know, halfway. Yeah. <laughs> at the you, moment. You have 16, 20,000 seater stadiums in, in Europe that are, you know, cauldrons. And it's just because of the, the way that they're kind of built and set up. So, like, right. that happens. Also, traveling 
traveling that distance, not being in your home field, not having your your same sort of routines, everything like that, it does impact players. It absolutely does. Athletes across the board in every sport talk about travel being a difficulty. So like mm-hmm. that's part of it. Also, all credit to Oregon State. That fan base is hyped. That team believes in Jonathan Smith. That team knows what they're about, just as I've said. Like the you get upset when you go on the road and play good teams that know what they're about. Yeah. And this is what happens. So it's just all the confluence of events. And when it comes down to it, I'm just looking at it and thinking, you got the win. You got the win. To oh, me, totally. you're playing with already. I think you're playing with house money in this first season. I don't think that you are a team that will do any damage in the playoff at this stage. You you need a better offensive line. Um, you need a more put together defense. But credit to the defensive line. They didn't get a sack in this game, but they were up in Chance Nolan's face every yes. single snap. They were setting the tone in the run game too. I thought they did a very good job with a couple exceptions. Uh, in the run game. So the defensive front, I thought, really, really stepped up in this game. A little bit frustrated with the the way that Nolan was able to get the ball out of his hands, sort of heaving balls up to his receivers, and they were in positions to make those plays. So, you know, credit to their offense, credit to USC's defensive line for really setting the tone on defense. But this team still has all of those gaps that we've talked about. And they're playing better than I expected on both sides of the ball through the first four weeks. Yeah. Like, I did not expect the defense to be capable of doing this tonight, and they proved that they are. But it's still a team that you have to go and say, we're playing with house money here, watching this team. Every game they win, awesome. Every game they learn something, awesome. Um, You still got to go through the season knowing, you know, these kinds of performances will happen. So a win is a win is a win is a win. Yeah, the, going back to the whole, like, uh, this felt like a Helton win thing. The biggest difference here is I I go back to when SC played Texas at home in 2017. And that was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen, right? Yes. Uh, it, the exciting finishes. Yeah. Uh, the, the game, for the most part, was boring, right? But the, the last five minutes were, and, and over time. The last five minutes of each half were... It, yeah, and it was an insane <laughs> game, and it was an insane game to be. I, I was, uh, we, we were both there, and to, to be on the field for that game was incredible at the end, right? And throughout overtime, yeah. And I remember going onto Twitter and tweeting something about like how Chase McGrath comes out and wins the game for SC, uh, a walk-on kicker that no one had, had ever seen make a field goal before, and here he goes. And he wins the game for SC. You know, this remarkable story. Sam Darnold leads the leads the great drive at, at the end of regulation, and all of the vitriol that that tweet got from people mad that SC was in a position to have to pull a game out against Texas at home, and how like this wasn't great. We were like, w- yes, we have I mean, we haven't lost in a calendar year, but like it's unacceptable to have to win this way and like this because just no one wins this way beaten like georgia doesn't battered, win this way yeah and the, the, like this battered perspective and it was i remember in the moment like that is such a like negative view on things like college football is such a great sport because every single week we see teams on upset alert and teams pull it out some teams don't 
you get games that go down to the wire. You get crazy results that you don't expect. You get performances where players come out of nowhere, like in that game, like Chase McGrath, Christian Rector with the big strip against Texas, right? Uh, the, the Darnold jump throw. It was in like peak college football and people weren't, ha- some people weren't happy with it. Yeah. And here we are now. And absolutely, I think you can look at this game and just be angry at the offense. And you can feel like the like the offense let USC down and put SC in this predicament. But I think the reality, though, is that even though the offense sh- showed that they're not the infallible um, put-together offense that, that we thought they were, at the same time, what a college football game. Nobody expected this. No one expected a 17 to 14 game, no. a game in which SC pulls it out at the end with, with Caleb Williams with throwing that pass on a night that he had no business completing any pass. And he completes the one to Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, who was like Mr. Incognito the entire game. SC was at one point, he wasn't even on the, on the field. Like SC pulls it out. And then you sit you're sitting here and you're watching the defense come through with hearts, drive after drive after drive. Even though it was a clunker for SC, you get the win in that moment, uh, a moment where you can like leave Corvallis and never look back. Like, yeah, that's exhilarating. Well, it's college football. Like, it's amazing. I well, and this is this is one of the things that I want to urge USC fans to, to sort of do. Watch a lot of college football. The more college football you watch, the more you learn that like everyone has these games. Everyone has a clunker that they need to get through. Georgia was leading Kent State by only 10 points in the fourth quarter today. Alabama got almost beat by a Texas team that got beat by Texas Tech today. Um, Everybody struggles. I think it's interesting that you bring up the 2017 team because if you told me that you could sort of take the, the 2017 blueprint and put it on this team with one very, very large, minor, large tweak. Um, I remember having conversations in 2017 with you about how that team knew how to win close games. And it was frustrating how often they were in close games, but they had that skill and they knew how to do it. And that's why that you can say that about 2020, but I don't want to rehash the help. Uh, I I don't even want to put 2020. Um, but like that was something that, that that's a skill. Not every team has it. And the reason that that team goes on to win the Pac-12 championship is because of that, because they knew how to do it. Now, that team also got blown out by Notre Dame. Right. And you don't want that to happen under any circumstances to this USC team. Right. Avoid all blowouts. But I think that USC can use that example of win your ugly games and just stay on top of things, continue to build up that uh, to to build that up. And you're going to win some things this season. You you can win the Pac-12. This team can win the Pac-12. And that can be a really, really great start to the Lincoln Riley era. This team found a way to to to, win, to to do that thing, to to win when it mattered Um, in a game in which the offense couldn't do anything. They found a way to score 14 points in the fourth quarter. This team and it matters for something, right? No one would have predicted that this team would win a game that they had to rely on the defense. Well, they've yeah. won a game that they have to 100%. rely on the defense. So they've checked that box. 
And yeah, you need to clean up your offense, but like you've checked that box. So I think you have to come out of this game feeling good. Um, do you come out of this game thinking USC is going to win a national title? No, not particularly. Do I come out of this game thinking like USC should be ranked ahead of Clemson? Well, personally, I think that because Clemson <laughs> is is overrated as all hell. But like, I'm not going to make that argument. USC, yeah, maybe it was good the game was on the Pac-12 network. Well, right? no that was one the saw other it. Yeah, Twitter, yeah, yeah. But like in a week when Oklahoma loses to Kansas State, by the way, Kansas State is the Oregon State to Oklahoma. Can I mean they weren't at they weren't uh, in um, uh, Manhattan, but that's still the team like that's Oregon State's like bogey team. Right. Oregon, sorry, that's Oklahoma's team. Oklahoma lost. They lost yeah. that game. So you know you just look around college football every week and teams lose these games all the dang time. Yeah, so well, you win it, celebrate it, get better from it, and move percent. on. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Harvey in the chat says, I, I, I've seen better USC teams struggle and lose in Corvallis. Credit to USC for actually winning what was an easy loss. A thousand percent. Yes. 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 Uh, Joe Corvo says- This would have been such an easy loss. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I, and Joe Corvo says, a dub is a dub. Michael must have forgot that football isn't about blowing teams out. This SC team, team got gassed by- a, Oregon State last year, but we are rebuilding new year, new coach, fight the F on. Um, no, the point I'm literally making is to celebrate this win because yeah. how great college football is that you can have a game like this and still win it. Um, and absolutely, like I, before the season started, I picked SC to get, to start out the season two and two with losses to Stanford and Oregon State. I picked, I picked SC to not cover the spread this week, right? Like, but yeah. SC found a way to get a win um, in a game, and absolutely, a, a win is a win, especially when you when you show uh, some metal like they did tonight, uh, even in even in a game that wasn't perfect. Hundred uh, percent. Kenny says the the solid verbal mentioned something I'd like your thoughts on. How big of a factor is it for for teams to beat USC with it being with with it being the last time they'll ever play in that stadium? I haven't thought about that before. I think there's certainly an uh, an element of that potentially for teams like Oregon State who know they're not going to, you know, they're not the rivals that that USC will will make sure that they see occasionally. Um I, to me that crowd was pumped, the students were pumped, all of that. I I think there's definitely potentially an element. I already think that there is the element of like every team what goes in wanting like beating USC isn't the same as beating Arizona. Like yeah. just straight up, regardless of what the records are, regardless of anything else, the USC is a team that, that other teams want to get that sort of trophy on their mantle. So yeah. USC already faces that every year. Now you add in the whole, like you're leaving the PAC 12 stuff, like extra motivation all over the place for all of these teams. And that's what makes it even more difficult for USC. And that's what makes it even more meaningful when USC is able to go ahead and say, we're still going to win. Yeah. Even when even when our quarterback looks like he forgot how to throw the football, we're still going to win. Deal with it. Yeah, and I don't know that from a player's perspective that you're looking at the last time they come to your stadium. They, it's mostly maybe the last time you're ever going to play USC. And for Oregon State, this was that, that year because SC doesn't play them next year. But uh, for a team like, say, Cal, SC's going to play the – or Stanford, for instance – uh, this was the last time that SC uh, two weeks ago was the last time that SC went up to Stanford for a conference game, right? But SC is going to play Stanford next year, so I think that 
If you're the player, you're like the last time you're going to see them for the Big Ten. Sure, I think there's an extra chip on your shoulder. I don't know that it plays in completely, but I, I see how it, it could but be a factor for fans. This sure, Oregon certainly. State team also, they're undefeated. Yeah. They didn't get ranked last week after going to 3-0. and Like, the chips on their shoulders were, and they should, were a plenty, and they played like it. They played like they had something to prove, Yeah, and kudos to them for that. It, it's a bummer to me that their chance of getting ranked is going to be even lower after this game when, to me, like, I think this, this Jonathan Smith is really building something solid up at Oregon State. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and if if the voters don't give them some more votes in the polls, they uh, didn't watch the game, which the, the, is very probable. Yes, a hundred percent. Paul Bond says, "Hit the like button." They work hard on the show. Yes, uh, if you made it this far, there's there's over four hundred people in the chat. At one point, I think we were over four fifty. It's crazy. Uh, it, it is incredible. All the uh, the the people who have been able to to watch us. We couldn't do this without you guys. You guys are amazing. The rot bots always come out in full force. Uh, yes, please like this, like the video, like the stream subscribe here on YouTube to the channel and subscribe to us. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll be back. Of course, Monday. Uh, and for with, those of uh, you who are with the, with the wrap up show and then Wednesday with the preview for ASU next week. And for those of you who are listening on your podcast catcher, jump over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel as well. Even yeah. if you never intend to watch our YouTube videos, it helps us grow. It still helps us a lot. So yeah, please. So, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for reminding us to do that. Uh, another question from Jack. Uh, do you agree that fourth and six is the game and season defining play for this team could truly be the play of the season at the end of the day? Thousand percent, dude. That was one of those moments where I, I we're, we're sitting in our living room watching the game with friends, and as soon as he picks it up, I'm like, "SC has to score!" Like they're scoring here, they're, they're they're winning this game. Like you don't pick up a fourth down like that with with Brett Nealon pushing the the Nealon nudge, yes, uh, and don't like not win the game, right? Like that was such a magical moment. You had to you had to come through to make even more special. Well, that's one of those moments where even on a night when the offensive line struggled, Caleb Williams struggled, everything about this offense struggled, they still went out there and had the moments and they were ready for those moments. You know, Brett Nealon was there. The offensive lineman was there ready to help his quarterback over the line. And when the ball came Jordan Addison's way, he was ready to catch it and, and score that touchdown. And that is what you need from your playmakers. So that's what makes uh, an offense capable of being special is even on a, even on an off night, they were there. And and yeah, to me, huge play play of the night on offense by far. Um, definitely going to be remembering that one down the line. If USC does anything this season in terms of, uh, of, of like winning a conference championship or something that's going to be on the highlight reel to me, for me. The, the interesting thing is I always talk about, the 2005 SC Notre Dame game as being the fourth and nine game. Mm -hmm. It's the fourth and nine game. Yeah. It's not the Bush push game to me. The Bush push play like that is, yes, that's a, obviously a special moment, but like it was the fourth and nine play. Me as a 16 year old watching that was the one that made me run up and down the house going yeah. crazy. It was the fourth yeah. and nine play. It wasn't the snake. And this game, I feel like there's probably some, some teenager who was my age when in 2005, who is going to remember 
the the Nilan nudge, uh, maybe more so than the, the passage Jordan Edison at the end. Either way, well, uh, both p- pivotal moments. Everyone in the room with us, after a whole game of just like sighs and uh, and uh, we were all just like pump fist pumping, screaming, like the whole the whole deal. It was fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, let, let, we got to uh, let's go to a bunch of other questions. Uh, Josh says, is it me or is the Utah game a major uh, reason for concern now? Yes, absolutely. It was, it it was, was always going not. to be, but especially now. Yeah, sure. you you could get like tricked into thinking it wasn't going to be. It was always going to be you're going to Rice Eccles. Again, it's the it's Corvallis on, you know, on crack in terms of difficulty playing there in terms of the way that or that Utah plays there when they're at home. Uh, that defense is gonna is gonna try to challenge USC in much the same way. That offense is gonna try and challenge USC in much the same way. The Utah game was always gonna be a problem. I think this game, if Utah looks at this game, they see a lot of the same things that they're gonna want to do. So USC can't rest on their laurels and say, "Hey, we got out of this. We're good now." USC needs to look at this tape pretty pretty damn hard too to figure out where they can reset themselves. Yeah, Utah. By the way. Uh, winners over ASU 34-13, as expected. Wait, well, they would cover the, the spread. The, the spread yeah. was like 13 points, right? I almost expected it to be it like free money much Vegas. more of a bloodbath. So good on ASU for not getting totally – like I thought Utah could put 70 on ASU this week. This week so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex says, uh, why was the offense not on target? Yogi Roth talked about the field having a crown. I, I, okay, I think the field having a crown sure could be an issue. Um, but I have – I asked you while we were watching the game, do you remember if Howard Jones has a crown on it? I don't. I think it very well could. Yeah. I just, I don't remember for sure. Cause I like, that doesn't, I, I don't know that they would have a great drainage system yeah. to not have a crown. However, it is LA. Maybe don't need that drainage system. I don't know. Yeah. E- I just, either way, I, I don't know if the crown is that big of a deal. I think it matters, but also these are kids playing on high school fields Growing up, yeah, ninety eight percent of them have like really awful crowns on them. Um, I think a crown is something that you that you deal with, um, and I, I don't know that it's going to be something. It, it's not as drastic as the the six inch grass at Notre Dame, you know. Yeah, well, but this is also why you warm up. You do a walkthrough. You warm yes. up. You get used to sort of that kind of thing. So I don't know that I'd put the blame on the crown. I just think Caleb Williams had a rough night. It happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Tom Brady has rough nights. Like it, it just, it happens. Bless and break says, let's talk about the piss poor line play, specifically Bobby Haskins. <sighs> it was I, not good. It, it was not good for Haskins. It was not good from, for pretty much the entire line as, as a unit. Yeah. Um, I thought Haskins got very fortunate to not be called for a couple of holes. Yeah. Um, Oregon the, state fans were complaining about that on Twitter. Yeah, he, he was getting beats and, Resorting to holding a few times that he, he didn't get called and yeah not not a good not a good game for him. Uh, Cortland Ford um, has to get healthy and and come back and and kind of th- those two need to go back to a battle there a left tackle the, probably. The other thing to remember is Bobby Haskins played this week despite suffering an injury last week, so he's playing hurt. Does that excuse the performance? Not entirely, but I think it helps explain it. He's not at 100%. Cortland Ford's not not able to step in. It's just a bad situation 
with that, with a very, very critical position on that offensive line. This is what we got back to earlier in the show talking about how we would have liked to see USC mitigate that problem a little bit better, knowing that they are dealing with guys who are maybe struggling. Yeah. Uh, question from Ryan. Um, uh, is this a golf Super Bowl situation where they laid the blueprint and it was never the same since? No. I, I think it's a little too early to say on that. Yeah. I mean, one game where this happens, maybe sort of some holdover from the Fresno State game. I don't think there's enough of a yeah. of a um but by the way, I example I, there. I, I, I sample size. I respect a um a niche analogy going with Jared Goff, Jared and, Goff and, and the Rams and all that, but yeah. also like there was it's the BYU dropping eight against against, against uh, the Graham Harrell offense yeah. that I think is is the one that the analogy might be a little more apropos yeah. there. Uh, big shout out to uh, but even to in Ryan this there. even in this game where I think the they did a good job defending USC's receivers, there were several key plays where the receiver was was there, open, available to catch the ball, and Caleb flat out miss them on a routine throw. So again, like I'm, I'm more willing to put this on. Yes. Oregon state made it difficult, but Caleb Williams made it that much more difficult for himself and his receivers the whole night too. Yeah. Uh, Thomas says, do you, uh, do any other USC opponents have similar personnel in the secondary to challenge Caleb Williams the way he was challenged tonight? I don't think it's strictly about personnel, to be honest. Like look, look at last week, like we mentioned earlier that, Fresno State did a lot of the similar things to take away the downfield passing game. Uh, the difference tonight was that SC didn't never had that moment where they decided, you know what, we're going to run the ball then. Yeah. They, they still decided to throw against it, and that's what I don't understand. That's the frustrating bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Down Pinoy says, um, with OU getting upset, are we going to win some? Uh, are we going to somehow move up in the polls after having our offense soil the bed for three and a half quarters? I, I mean, given the way polls work, yes. Um, I don't know that that should be the case, but remember, polls are like two dimensional. Like there's other teams, really like three dimensional. There's other teams involved. Um, Clemson, Clemson went to overtime against Wake Forest. SC basically went to overtime against Wake Forest, you know, not, not too dissimilar to those. Uh, OU losing. Um, I don't remember who was, who was like eighth and ninth last week. Well, so that's what I'm, who, I'm, who do you, who do you move up? I'm looking at it. Uh, Tennessee beat Florida. So they could move up there. 11 Kentucky beat Northern Illinois by seven. So it's not like they're going to be state one, leaving. I think, right? Oklahoma State was on a bye, so they don't have a lot. Oklahoma lost. I think USC moves up one spot. Um, One spot or stays the same. I don't see a very good reason to jump anybody over USC, but especially because Oregon State doesn't get a lot of respect, but they were undefeated. Like this, you know. Yeah. Carlos in the chat says, I would bet my mortgage. That Tennessee jumps SC, uh, given how how I mean you the voters love SEC teams. The like, SEC I could, teams, I could truly see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, question from Rama Murdy: Could you see us win a game like this against Utah? 
I, I think yes. I think if they've done it once, they could do it again. The difference here is could a game play out exactly like this? I don't know because I have to imagine Cam Rising isn't throwing four picks. And I, I don't think Chase, Chance Nolan played terribly in this game. No. But those four those picks, picks, anytime you have four picks, you're going to feel like you were horrific, right? Yeah. And I I think if the question is, can USC win an ugly game against Utah? I think absolutely. Yes. They've proven now that they can do it. They can scrape out a victory. Um, can USC win a game against Utah where Caleb Williams completes 44% of his passes? Mm, I don't know if it's I'd go tough. that far. I don't I don't know if you want to have to find out the answer to that, to be quite honest. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Lamont says, do you think OU fans will get out of the USC mentions now? No. Uh, no. They'll I, I think, be quiet for a week. Yes. Um, and, and that surely helps. Yeah. Lamont also says, how big is this win for recruiting? This should show that we can win any way we want. Um, yes, I think that that this absolutely does show that SC can win these last three weeks. SC has won in com- three completely different ways. I think those are that is good. That is good to model to anyone, to voters, to your fans, to your recruits. But uh, as Gerard Martinez talks about over at uscfootball.com, uh, recruits don't care about any individual win. Yeah. The only the only thing that I'll say is that if I'm a defensive recruit being looked at by USC right now, Alex Grinch and his defensive staff being able to say, look, we are improving week to week to week. Look at, look at the plays that our dudes are making after four weeks of our tutelage here. Um, that, I think, can be a factor that plays in. The better the defense plays, I think the better the defensive recruiting can play because if USC just had USC just sort of did the blueprint from the first three weeks where it's like, woof, yeah. this defense is getting eaten up by everybody. That I think eventually starts to play poorly on the defensive staff. And uh and and this sort of quells that narrative quite a bit. Yeah. Mateo says, was it me or did they sort of abandon the run in the red zone? Uh no, I don't think they abandoned the run in the red zone. I think they abandoned the run for the most Straight part. Up. Overall, I'm I'm looking at the stats right now. Caleb Williams had 36 pass attempts. Those are pass attempts. He had nine rushes, and I don't think there was a straight-out run that he had all game long. Not off the top of my head. Not that looked particularly designed. Yes, I mean, there might have been a... I Obviously, we'd need to rewatch it or whatever, but like there might have been a keeper or whatever, but like... I don't remember one for what it's worth. If there was, more than likely, it was probably some RPO of some sort. So, like, let's just assume that those are nine more passing plays. So that's, what, 45? 45 passing plays for SC against uh, 19 die rushes, uh, five um, Austin Jones rushes. So that's uh, 24 plus three uh Really Brown rushes 27. So 45 to 27 was the was the uh pass run distribution in a game in which the offensive line was terrible and couldn't couldn't hold their blocks in, in pass blocking. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. The, the, uh we were talking before I mean during the game about how it felt like USC thought they were down by 14 like by the by two scores instead of by four like they were calling plays like they were chasing the lead right when they weren't 
You know what? Honestly, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of me and Madden when I go down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm down by four points. I'm I have like, to start chucking it. I don't know what to do. When, I don't know what to do. When yeah. you know that like, if you just continue to run the ball, you're going to move down the field. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. DK says, everyone here loves USC, right? Question mark. That's uh, why we're here. We can't speak <laughs> for everybody in the chat, but like, that's why we're here. Um, yeah. Uh, we're not here at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> I mean, granted, we probably would be sitting here just talking to each other about the game at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night if the microphones weren't in our face. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Eric said, where were the were the Pac-12 flags tonight? I had three uncalled PIs. I thought the, the officiating in this game was atrocious both ways. The, they were missing uh, holds on both sides. SC got away with a couple of glaring PIs for sure. Oregon I, State got, got there early a couple times as well that I thought could have been flags. Yeah. Yeah. This was one of the rare times where it felt like they let them play. Which is Which fine. is funny because you didn't you set an over under for pen, both of these teams are heavily penalized. I, I did. I and, don't, uh, don't want to completely. We don't want to um, get too much into the over under, but. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll 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 out that one. It was a hundred. Yeah. The line was a hundred and fifty point five combined combined penalty yardage. Yeah, then they didn't get to uh, the penalty yardage was forty seven for Plus SC 35. and thirty five for Oregon State. Yeah, they didn't yeah. get there, folks. No, they no. did not get there. A rare occasion where the Pac twelve refs kept the kept the laundry in their pockets. Yeah. Um, lesson break says with Miami getting blown out by Middle Tennessee. Will Francis decommit and become a Trojan? Uh, I don't know. I like we said before. I don't think that that for recruits, it's not about an individual game. It's about the momentum that your program has more than the results. In yeah, it. which maybe you can say that there's less momentum for Miami. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, can we also give credit to the offense for the hurry up snap after the the kneel on nudge? Helton's offense would have walked to the line and given the refs enough time for the review. Every time USC went tempo, it seemed to work to me. I was very frustrated they didn't use more. They tempo. needed to go to more of it. Yeah. One of my biggest frustrations with the offense was the the pre snap stuff. Oh my gosh! How every single play they kept going. Caleb wanted Williams. to give us all heart attacks. It's what? like five seconds to go, and he's changing the play. I'm like, dude, you don't have time. Stop it. Yeah. And even on that last drive, like I almost tweeted on that last drive. I'm like, they are. I understand that SC doesn't want to leave Oregon State with any time on the clock, but also just, again, it was taking the play cl clock completely down. Yeah. Um, it all ultimately didn't matter. They scored with 73 seconds left, but uh, I, w I was starting to wonder what was going to happen on that last drive. But yes, when they did go to tempo, it, it did seem to work every time. I like the idea too. Uh, there was a long run by Travis Dye. They immediately went tempo and ran the same play again. Just a handoff up the middle. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, I think that was in the uh, the third quarter, um, but didn't work. But it's a good idea. Like I like that kind of thing. So, uh, Joe Sixpack says, uh, "Great question, Colin. Could Oregon State make it to the Pac-12 championship game? And if so, uh, the Beavers don't have half Reezer Juju helping them. Um." Could they? Yes, they would. Well, so here's the thing. You look at the Pac-12 and you don't see a lot of impervious teams. So what they need to happen, because it's it's not North and South anymore, it's the two best teams in the Pac-12. Basically, they need to not lose again in the conference. 
or they need complete and utter chaos in the Pac-12. So uh, it could be a USC-Oregon State rematch in theory, or Utah could hand USC a loss and then Washington State could hand USC a loss and then they could lose to whoever. Basically, if they have one loss, I think they still have a shot at getting to the title game because I don't see a lot of undefeated um, candidates in this in this conference. Here's the problem for Oregon State. I like Oregon State a lot. I I really do. The problem is that while there's no divisions, the schedule is still as if there is. Which means they play Washington and and Oregon, and that's tough. Yeah, they play Washington and Oregon, and both of those look like very difficult games for them. Yeah, They get Washington State, a team that should be undefeated. Yeah. Let's be serious. Um, And then they get Cal, who won again the night. Um, They they don't have the benefit that, say, SC has, which are games against – uh, Arizona and Colorado. Colorado. Well, Oregon State does play Colorado and, and ASU, but they don't play Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, like, you need to like power up on all the the teams in the South, kind of. Thing. It's not going to be an easy road. And and this is the thing: we give a lot of respect to Oregon State. I respect the program greatly. I respect the coach and the players greatly. I think they've really got something going. But they are still a. They were a seven and six team last year. Um, they're still probably more likely like an eight and four team this year. And that, with all due respect to them, I think that's really great work from Jonathan Smith. But you can't expect them to beat Washington and Oregon and Cal. And, you know, I think that that they they probably drop a couple here. Um, And if they don't, they will heavily deserve to be in the Pac-12 title game. And that'll be a very, very fascinating game. Yeah. Uh, whoever they play, but that's, yeah. And if they make it to the Pac-12 championship game, then Jonathan Smith is going to be, be coach of the year. Yes. And he's yeah. going to get a huge payday. Yes, he is. Uh, Ryan Valente says, how much does ego play when the rushing game was working? I, I think it's I, too early to say about that. I never think it's like ego. I just think that this is my, this has been my theory for a long time. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't remember what position Lincoln Riley played when he played, but like most offensive coordinators are were quarterbacks, and it's just like something about trusting their quarterback more than anybody else on the team. Yeah, and uh, and and that's sort of where it comes from. Sometimes it's like too much trust in your quarterback. Which I mean, to be fair, if you're going to trust anyone on the game on the team, Caleb Williams is absolutely someone that you should want to trust. Yeah. Um, and through the first three games, he showed that he should be the one that you should trust more than anyone. So. Well, and in the end, right? In the end, the ball is in his hands, and he's expected to make a play. And yeah. In the end, he makes a play. So, yeah. it, like I, I think that SC absolutely should have gone to 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 the run game way more than they did. But I could, as a favor to 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 Caleb, should have gone to the run game earlier. Yes, it, I think it would have helped them out yeah. tremendously. Absolutely. Um, let's go to a question from Ryan Harvey. Is USC's offense not as good as we thought? Is Oregon State's better than we thought? Or is this just college football? This game certainly didn't play out like we would have imagined. The answer is yes to all that, right? This is college football. It's it's really that I think Oregon State did a did a really good job of of game planning and executing a game plan against this USC defense. I think this USC offense shot itself in the foot a yeah. lot. And that all contributed to just the way things go. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, all right, Alicia, before we wrap oh, this up, I want to 
TAC in the chat said Riley was a walk-on quarterback at Texas Tech and got injured and then became a coach. So yeah, again, they're all they're all former quarterbacks. That's that's what's feeding this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we wrap this up, I, I want to just run through the the stat book a little bit here, um, and Alicia pop in with with some thoughts. Uh, total yardage, SC ends up winning 357 to 320, uh, holding Oregon State to 320 when they're averaging 500 yards. I think there was someone pointed out in the chat. Yeah, Big T37 pointed that in the chat. That's a big deal for USC's defense. Yes, a huge game from the defense. That should be the season low as far as I'm concerned for the yeah. offense. Um, I would think yeah. so. Yeah, I, I would. But also the the, the crazy thing is, you look at how much you can say SC, uh, SC's offense struggled. They were 50%, they converted 50% of their third downs, which is pretty good. And they were two or three on fourth down. Like, you do those things, you're usually going to score more than 17 points. Okay, and this is, again, why it's so fun to have an offense like this, because they, even on a bad day, they can still have that, kind of success and next week the week after that you just can't you just won't expect them to be to have this kind of trouble yeah 100 percent uh yards per play oregon state wins that 5.3 to 4.9 not a surprise yards per rush just about even 4.8 for the trojans 4.9 for the beavers if you do stack adjusted sc wins that one 5.5 versus 4.9 for the beeves red zone (laughs) SC one of two, 50%. Uh, SC's red zone percentage rate looks so bad. Uh, and the missed field it, goals are killing and, and them. It's, be, it's because of the, the two missed field goals. Um, and I think that there was another drive in which they, they I, I can't remember from early on, but like it doesn't feel like SC is wasting opportunities. But the, the numbers weirdly say that they are, which is which is funny. Yeah. Um, I think Certainly SC wasted in opportunities in this game, but not particularly in the red zone. Yes, they missed the field goal, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was SC's glaring issue. Uh, two of three with the Beavers. Um, tired possession, pretty evenly split. The big difference, of course, the turnovers. Four turnovers for the Beavs, none for the Trojans. Four straight games. Four straight games, three, no turnovers. Three of four games, this defense has produced four turnovers. That is out incredible standing. It goes also, back to the B. Carroll stuff. Turnover margin. Turnover margin, turnover margin, turnover margin. And on the other side... Still zero turnovers. That is the story of the season so far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because if USC has a turnover in this game, outcome probably feels different, for sure. Yeah, if if the, the ball that was tipped off of Dai's hands is mm-hmm. caught, it's probably a pick six. Yeah. If he fumbles at the goal line and, and Oregon State they gets get it, that, touch- yeah, that could be touchdown. a free touchdown, right? Yeah. Like, And, and that, there's no way SC comes back uh, if they're down two scores in, in this game. Um, six in the chat says I'm a Beavs fan. GG and best of luck the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to feel good about how the Beavs played tonight. Obviously, probably a gut wrenching loss for, from the Beaver perspective. It's got. I mean, I know that moral victories suck when you yeah. when you lost, but like the the Beavs can come out of this with their heads held high. I think no one expected them to be able to limit USC to 17 points on offense, and that's what they did. So yeah, that's. Yeah. Good stuff from the Beavs, like the direction of the program. Yeah, 100%. Okay, unless we get a couple of last questions here, we're going to wrap this up, but I am just want to 
one quick thing. Go down the the uh, scoreboard here in the Pac-12. SC, of course, wins 17-14 over Oregon State. Utah gets the win on the road, 34-13 in Tempe. Uh, Washington, still undefeated, 4-0. Michael Pinnock throws for 309 yards. They 40-22 win over the uh, Stanford Cardinal. Uh, the Huskies for real. Stanford loves that sort of 40-ish to 20-ish uh, score. This is line. true. Yeah. Yeah. Huskies feel for, I mean, I'm, again, I'm a, I'm a Kalen DeBoer fan. I, I, I liked him at Fresno State. I'm excited for him at uh, Washington. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> crazy game in Pullman we were watching earlier. Uh, How... Oregon somehow wins 44-41. Somehow. I, I... They, Washington State straight up cooged it. Like, there's a reason we call it cooging it, and that was I... classic cooging it. I thought Washington State was over this. I thought they were beyond the cooging. And that was like the most epic cooging of all time. They looked so good for so much of this game. They it, like they had they had control for most of this game. I, or, Oregon State's score by quarter incredible three six six twenty nine. That's that well that's classic Oregon. Like <laughs> this ain't your Chip Kelly Oregon, but uh, or or Mike Bellotti Oregon, yeah. but like it feels like it when they do stuff like that. Right, Irvine yeah. Cattle Ranch in the chat says, "How many perfect days this year? Any?" Um, I don't know. It might it might be difficult. Um, I don't know who Notre Dame plays next week, but um, UCLA has a tough game coming up against Utah. Is that next week? I think it's, it's next week, right? I don't um, know. No, Washington. That'll week. be that'll be a, a an interesting. Well, yeah, we talked to our buddy Jake about that. Yeah, but He's it's not Washington, high on Washington on Friday nights. Does that count? If, it's if happened Washington in the past where you, UCLA on Friday night. You call it like a perfect weekend, but to me, it doesn't count as a perfect day. It has to be the, the same day. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Bruins really quick. 45 17 winners over Colorado. Colorado, an 0 4 dumpster fire. Uh, UCLA is 4 0, having played absolutely nobody. Um, mind you, their next three games Washington on short rest, home against Utah. At Oregon. Good luck. Let's see how they get out of those. Let's see how the, the, the next three weeks define UCLA's season for sure and define Chip Kelly's, the, the temperature of Chip Kelly's seat, I think. Yeah. We, we were talking to, to Jake from the Woods Bruins show this week, and he said that if you're a UCLA fan, you want to win two of those. Yeah. If you, if you lose all three, that's a, yeah. that's a, a disaster. And lastly, uh, Cal beats uh, U of A 49 31. Look at Cal scoring 49 points. Yeah. Cal, I don't know what to make of this Cal team. Uh, I'm starting to to be very curious of this Cal team. That's something we're going to have to look at like later on in the season as, as we go on. But like they're starting to to they're interesting. I think <laughs> let's say they're interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, last and Arizona questions. is still capable of, of being absolute trash. So just don't. It's, that. They're, they're, it's a learning process yeah. down there. I, 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 I wish they're the Wildcats in, well, but it's still, they're were, still learning. They're where Oregon State was a couple of years ago. Yes. Like, yeah. Growing pains. All right. Rapid fire. Last few questions. Lamont says, how do you guys think Damani Jackson played? I thought he played very well. I really like when I see him tackling somebody like he, he he's a sure tackler and that's something that i very much appreciated um 
Did you have any other? Th- I, I he didn't didn't really get burned. Um, he didn't really. He kept things in front of him. He he made a couple of tackles. I thought were were um, his first play in. He made first a tackle. tackle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I, I thought he was fine. Yeah. Uh, he he wasn't a um, liability, which for me as a corner, that's the number one thing you want to be. Don't be a liability, and you're fine. Uh, Jeremy says predictions on where Washington will be ranked after this week. Um, Washington now is 18. Oh, no, maybe they go up to like 15 or we'd something. We'd have to look at who. There are a lot of people lost in front of them. I'd have to sort of do the calculations there. Yeah. So I think uh, they'll move up just by nature of, of others losing. Yeah. Big T37, wasn't this a moral victory for SC? No one thought a team rally, uh, a rally team could win a game like this. Yeah. Well, I, it was I, a I think, literal victory, though. Yeah, like I, I think that people don't necessarily use moral victory about literal, actual wins. But but you're not wrong. Yeah, because the, the, the thing that we talked about is the reason why I think you can feel good about this game is that SC pulled it out when they needed to. Yeah. When they really needed to, they did it. And um, and that was big. Um, they, they didn't cower. They easily could have cowered in this game when the offense was was atrocious for much of it. Yeah, yeah. That's um... – Yeah. Uh, DMG for USC says – if Caleb starts stinking again, do we see Miller Moss? I would not bet on it. I may have sent a, a joking text at some point about, <laughs> I've seen enough, put in Miller Moss. Um, but it was very in, in jest. I think I would be very, very, very surprised if uh, anything short of injury took Caleb Williams I, out of. Honest question. I, I agree. I think it would take an injury. But what is the threshold? Interceptions. That's what my thought was. Yeah. Or, t- or turnovers in general. Yes. And Caleb Williams has not done that. Even when Caleb Williams has not been on his game, as we saw tonight, he did not turn the ball over. Yeah. And uh, that is a testament to him. Uh, Andrew says, um, Corey Foreman, get any snaps tonight? I don't remember. Um, I didn't see him. I don't remember, I don't seeing, remember him. seeing him at all. Uh, yeah. Somebody earlier in the chat was asking, like, why was Corey Foreman not on the field in the end? And it's like, my answer to that was going to be because Solomon Bird was, and yeah, he should be. So, yeah, and yeah. and the crazy thing about Bird is Bird's impact in this game not really seen the stats. Three tackles, one quarterback. Oh, hurry. he had a huge QB hurry yeah. that I think that led to the interception. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then Eric Gentry, of course, on the stats: oh. eight tackles, a half tackle for loss, an interception, a pass breakup, and a quarterback hurry. Eric Gentry is I think quickly becoming my favorite player on defense. I just like, he's so easy to find first and foremost, because he just is what he is. But uh, what a transfer to pick up, like the the talent that oozes from this guy. I'm so excited. Like sometimes transfers can be bittersweet because a lot of times they just don't have a lot of um, uh, eligibility left. So you only get a little bit of time with them. Mm -hmm. I am so stoked to see him continue to, develop and grow and just like dude looks like a gamer i love it yeah he, he feels like absolutely someone who's going to only benefit by by more experience yes yeah 100 percent um chris c says dope hat is dope thank you it's by um i i can never know how to explain this hat it's the um the iowa cubs like when they have they do the um Hispanic heritage thing for the minor leagues. 
Oh, is that what it was? I always yeah, assume a, you have minor like, like when you have a logo I don't recognize. I always assume that it was a minor league. Uh, yeah, so team. it's the Des Moines, Des Mo- like the Demonias de Des Moines is the was the the gimmick. Yeah. Oh, are they did the Des Moines Demons. Well, that was that was the thing where they renamed all the teams. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I yeah, see for sure. Um, all right, well, that's gonna wrap up this car cast. It's been it's been a long one. A uh, big shout out to everyone who's joined us today. Uh, we, we couldn't do this without you guys. And as always, please help grow the show. Be sure to subscribe. We will be back on Monday uh, to talk about USC and Oregon State just a little bit more. Take more of your questions and all of that uh, in that episode. Uh, and then we'll be back Wednesday to preview USC and ASU next week. Uh, a game which maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I uh, I don't think we'll be as nail biting. God, week. I I need we need a week of just easy football. Uh, please, please, <laughs> let's let's roll. Yeah, we we we'll see how that goes. This took this took years off I, my I life was, tonight. I was ready to say that SC was going to win that game seventy to seven. Like I had that penciled in as my prediction for next week, yeah. which it still could be the case. Like it could be the case where SC just like responds on offense and like makes up for all the points that didn't score tonight. But I don't know. I'm going to take it back, dial it back. Yeah. Dial it back a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you to everybody in the chats. Uh, Irvine Cattle Rant says, love you guys. We love you guys uh, too for, for joining us. Uh, And thanks as always. Uh, We will see you next week. Until then, I got a final word. Alicia, I haven't been giving you the final word lately. Oh, no pressure on me. Been screwing up that part. The final word is Cornish, as in we had Cornish hens yeah. tonight. Shout out to our to our lovely friend Trunice and and her boyfriend Travis came over, and uh, we had Cornish hens, and which allowed me to make the joke. Well, where the hell's the corn? <laughs> it was very very good. Uh, Trunice was trying out Thanksgiving recipes. It had my complete. Um, uh, endorsement. It was excellent. Very, very tasty. And yeah. We had cool crumble thing. cookies they for the first cookies? time. It's been a Wait, day. I, I, you, you, your brother came over. Mm-hmm. and my, he, Notre, my Notre Dame fan of her brother. Yes. And he said what I was thinking. I wanted to hate crumble <laughs> because of like crumble being this brand, right? Yeah. And they're, they're, they're cookie. Good. Insanely good. I haven't had one. I haven't had mine yet, so. It's very good. So, all right, uh, Trent's in the chat. The Neilon Nudge, yes, that this will forever go down. The Neilon Nudge, nudge, nudge yeah. game, yeah. All right, guys, we will see you later. Until then, see ya. See ya. See ya.